Thank you, Jesus, that that hope, that hope in you is ours forevermore. And we have that hope and we share that hope with those around us. And as we sing and as we proclaim that we know how the story ends, the story ends in a, in a right order of creation, back to where it came from, back to what it's supposed to be with unity and love and justice and a good judge that cares so deeply for us. I pray that as we settle in, we can hear and learn about how we can take that message of hope to this world, that message of justice to this world. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Youth, you are dismissed. I do believe, yes, they are off to the races. Hey, literally, there we go. Awesome. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jordan. If you're online, hello. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we are talking about justice in John. This is the third week. So we are going through, and Phil would have mentioned, may have mentioned that we are going through the rest of the book of John and different ways that there are signposts and, and, uh, and pointing how the book of John points to Jesus through justice, through love, through spirituality, through hope. And so today is the final of our time spent in the idea of justice. And the idea of justice is so, so good and so important. And, and uh, that, that TV is coming. I really do like this artistry. Isn't it lovely? I think it's really nice. We, we, we have it for a good long time. The book of John has so much to, to unpack. We could be here for the next couple of years, but we are going to just, just take the summer to do it. Um, if you want to open your Bibles to the book of John chapter 16, and we are going to read and we will be a little bit confused and then we'll try to unpack it um, from there. Is this going to work, you think, Curtis? We, we, we miss our friend Adam. Adam, this is, his first, this is our first time without Adam. And so do you, do you want this mic so you can tell Curtis what to do? No. <laughs> uh, it's on the computer. Uh, it just needs to be switched to, uh, make sure it's switched to message. It's actually a little mustache guy. Seriously, if you're online, this is not muted. We're just uh, figuring stuff out right now. We got it. Yeah, but... And it's giving everyone a chance to turn to John chapter 16. You know, what would it be like if I preached and there was no technical difficulties at that time? This might be a good reminder to everyone turn off your cell phones at this point as well, because that's bound to happen pretty soon, I'm sure. Anyways, I have a bit of a record with that. Let's open to John chapter 16, and I will read from that big screen back there. But now I am going to the one who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. However, it's the truth that I'm telling you. It's better for you that I should go away. If I don't go away, you see, the helper won't come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong on three counts, sin, justice, and judgment. In relation to sin, because they don't believe in me. In relation to justice, because I'm going to the Father and you won't see me anymore. And in relation to judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, is this going to work? Real encouraging verse this morning, hey? Real heavy. Sin, justice, and judgment. Let's get into the thick of things. When I was uh, in England... 
Um, yeah. <sighs> Maybe you guys might want to click it for me because we're going nowhere pretty quick here. Oh, well. Yeah. Hey! Can I move this TV? Are we going to have a lot of fun this morning? Maybe interactive? I can, like, I can act it out. We can use it as a, as a puppet thing. I don't know. Um, it might come. Sorry, everybody. Um, so Jesus in John, partnering with the Holy Spirit to help this world be centered on Jesus. There's this understanding that this world is out of order. When I was in England, we, we did this one thing called the One Project in, in Penn's Net. It's actually a place where my, my, both my daughters were born, where it was in Russell's Hall in Penn's Net, uh, in Dudley. Uh, sounds like a lovely place. Uh, I had a dog for a, a brief moment in, in time, and I wanted to name that dog Dudley. Uh, nobody else wanted to name that dog Dudley. It's not a very nice place, and so maybe that's why. If you're from Dudley, online, I apologize. I don't know why they would be watching online from Dudley, but if they are, it's a lovely place. But what we did there is we would go and we would go into Dudley and we would, into Pensnet, and we would um, do yard work for people. And it was this one project. Once every summertime, you'd come along and you would get together and you go do yard work for people. And what you did, hey, thank you. Uh, what we did is we would have yard work. We'd have times that we'd go in and we'd go into people's gardens and we'd have these massive gardens that have been overcome and over, overwhelmed by the grasses and the weeds and the things that they haven't been able to, to do. And what would happen is we'd go in and we'd help restore and bring back to what once was. And it was such a lovely ministry to be able to go and to be able to find people that needed help and we were able to came, come in and to restore what was happening. So that is the idea of justice, is restoring to what was, taking from what is to what was and to what was was good and what was was the garden. Um, I read a, I looked at a book this week. I didn't read the whole thing. I did skim it by Judith and Colin McCartney. And this book is called, What Does Justice Look Like and Why Does God care about it? And that's our question today. What does justice look like and why does God care about it? We see the garden and we've heard about the garden. We talk about the garden all the time. When we get into, 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 into Easter time, we talk about Mary and the gardener. We talk about Revelation. We talk about going back to the garden, to the new heavens and the new earth. And obviously in Genesis 1, when we have this understanding of what was and what was so good was in the garden. I'm going to read a little excerpt here um, from this book. In the story of creation in Genesis, God transforms dark chaos into a peaceful paradise and then declares to the world that, the, that this is the way it's supposed to be. It's very good. The scripture says, God saw what he had made, and it was very good. God brings life-giving symmetry into darkness, creating humanity and nature to exist together in perfect harmony. All of creation is in right relationship and at peace with God and to one another. In the Garden of Eden, life is just, with no hunger, no killing, no oppression, and no suffering. All of creation is valued, sacred, esteemed, and treated equally with the utmost respect. Sounds like a nice place. All is well and whole and lacking nothing. This is what God describes as being very good. And this is what God's justice looks like. Whenever the world misses the mark of God's definition of being very good, it is unjust. 
We see our world through the lens of God's declaration that all of creation is very good. And we are able to see a deeper, sorry, when we see that the world is, is through God's declaration of being very good, we are able to see a deeper reality in our world that we would otherwise overlook. By having Genesis 1 perspective, we are able to discern what is just because we know God's original intent and ultimate purpose for people and our environment. A just world reflects God's original intention for all of creation to be in a right relationship with peace with God. The original intention of this world was in to be in a right relationship with peace in God. I'm going to talk about four quick ideas later on, but I want to give you these ideas now. Order is a good relationship between us and God. Order is a good relationship between us and other people. Order is a good relationship with us and ourselves. And order is also a good relationship between us and creation. The purpose of going back to the garden is for us to understand how good it was and how unified the relationships were. All those four relationships, we can start to understand what sin is, is when any of those relationships are out of order, that's when sin kind of creep in. So Adam and Eve want to disrupt that beautiful harmony. We're not going to pin it on Adam. Humanity wanted to disrupt that beautiful relationship, and it took it out of, out of place. And, and instead of seeing the world as image bearers, there started to be, become this idea that there was some pushback and there was some fighting and then there was Cain and Abel and there was destruction and there was pain. And quickly we see the world go out of order. And when we see the world go out of order, there's calls for justice and there's calls for order. So then we have David and David is calling out, crying out for justice. You've been through the Psalms before and you can just go through the Psalms and you can look and you can see different places where it's out of order and calls for justice. In Psalm 37 and 52 and 17, in Psalm, in Psalm 52, it says this, Surely God will bring you down to an everlasting ruin. He will snatch you up and pluck you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. There's a call for justice. There's a call for, hey, this person's doing something wrong. I would like that resolved, please. Thank you very much. And that's this idea that we see with justice. I want to talk about that. You saw that a quick second ago. The... Um, Saving paradise. This is what I, th I always think about art. Art is very important, and I think we need to make sure we, we remember how important art is and everything that we do and everything that, that we can create. Art is beautiful. And there's this book called Saving Paradise. I did not read that this week. It's a big one. But it's about these two ladies, um, Rita, not, Rita Brock and Rebecca Parker. They go and they look at all the art that was done 1,000 years after Jesus lived on earth. And they were looking for the Christian art. And you think about Christian art, you think about things that are happening in, in, in this world. And we, and we think about the art that we've always seen depicting Christ and depicting the cross and depicting everything. And they couldn't find any Christian art that actually was depicting Christ or Christ crucified or the cross, the thing that we would most make synonymous with Christian art. But what Christian art was for the first thousand years after Christ lived on earth was always depicting paradise, always depicting going back to what was or going looking forward to the new resurrection. 
That is what our faith is about. We sing these songs about a new resurrection. We sing these songs about the Holy Spirit living in us. That is what the beauty of the cross is. It brings us back into being image bearers and seeing paradise again in our lives now and in the future. We can share that hope with people around us. We can share that justice with people around us. So then the people of the Old Testament started to see these things, started to see the good things, and Isaiah sees what justice should be. He says this in Isaiah 65, See, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will be heard no more. Never again will, it, will there be a sound of infants, a sound of weeping or crying. Never will there be an infant who lives only but a few days or an old man who doesn't live out his years. This understanding of what is to come, this hope in Jesus is what justice is, restoring ourselves back, God restoring us back to that place. Micah starts to understand it. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. This is where we are. This is where we need to be. We need to be walking in obedience. And obedience is having mercy and love and walking in humility. And this is how we start to restore things back to what they were. Jesus enters stage right. And the first thing that he says, that he comes up and he unrolls the scroll and says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. That is a message of hope right there. And we see Jesus and Jesus, our King, our Lord coming to this earth and he says, I am come to, to proclaim the good news to the poor, to set the captives free. Recovery of sight for the blind. This beautiful message of who Jesus is, is where we need to sit. Because we are in a partnership with Jesus. We've talked about this all the time, being in a partnership. It's so important that we really understand and remember the partnership that we have. Philippians 2, we're going to go back there a couple times today. But Philippians 2, 12 and 13, Therefore, my dear friends, if you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but how much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is, it is God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good purpose. God is working in you. The purpose that we come to sing and to worship and to be filled with the Holy Spirit is so God can work within us to go and act out his good purpose to go and act out what he has called us to do. This is why we do what we do. This is why we gather here on a Sunday morning, is to go then out and to bring that good news of love and justice to those around us. We cannot forget that exciting and important bit. So now let's get into, that's kind of just the introduction of what justice is. Real, real exciting stuff. I actually think it's quite, I, I, I quite enjoy that. But here we go. John chapter 16, verse 5 and 6. But now I'm going to the one who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Sorrow has filled the heart of people that, that when Jesus starts to go away. Why is that? 
I think we understand that, that, that order has finally arrived. There was this crawling out for order. There's this calling out for, for some semblance of understanding. And finally, Jesus comes on the scene. And then there's this order. Really, there's order for three years. And people are like, this is good. Jesus is here. He can do this. Look, he's doing everything. He's got it all. This is so good. So now Jesus is doing everything. And then sorrow starts to fill people's hearts. Because he's leaving. Of course, sorrow started to fill the heart because he is leaving. There was something good, and now there's something gone. And it's painful, and it's sad, and it's like people are going, what is going on? And then, however, it is the truth that I'm telling you. It's better for you that I should go away. If you don't go away, if I don't go away, you see, the helper won't come to you. But if I'll go away, I will send him to you. This is where we get into the crux of what this teaching is about. We want Jesus here. Please, Jesus, be here. Because we think to ourselves, of course we want Jesus here because then I can stand and sit with him face to face and he can talk to me through my issues. I can talk to him through whatever I have and we would love that. But it's better for him to go away so he can send his spirit to live within us. Because when his spirit comes and lives within us, then we can now go and we can take that good message of Christ to people because we have that spirit living in us. Judith McCarthy says this, an inner working precedes the outer action. Only a Jesus-filled life can help bring about justice to those who suffer. Only a Christ-filled life can go and truly bring justice to people that need justice, can only truly bring love to those who, bring, who need love. So our lives need to be filled with that love of Christ. And that love of Christ comes through the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is living within each and every one of you. It is a confusing mess to think about. Every single person here is an individual. And God wants to meet with every single person here in their own way. In the way that he finds it best. In the way that he sees it best. How does that work? We were in Vancouver this past week. And we were just looking at all the people. All the people. And we're like, God, how do you meet with every single person here? How do you meet with every single person? How does your spirit accomplish the works that he's doing? Because that's why it's better that he, Jesus goes back and sends himself in the spirit form so we can really truly understand who he is, so he can meet every single one of our needs and come in and live with us and through us. So if we want to pe be a people that brings justice, if we want to be, be a people that brings righteousness and brings order, we partner with Jesus and his Holy Spirit comes and enters in and lives within us so that we can go and obey that call. An inner work precedes an outer action. Only a Jesus-filled life can help bring about Jesus-like justice to those who suffer. As we come here every week, I've, now I'm turning 44. It's very exciting. Is it? I think 44 is a weird age to turn. Because, like, you turn 40, and you're kind of always prepared to turn 40. You're like, yeah, here we come. Coming up to 40. I'm like, yeah, I'm 40. This is 40. This is fantastic. And I'm like, I'm 41. I'm just still 40. I'm 42. Nobody cares about 44. 44 is, like, just the most ridiculous age to turn. But I am 44 now. And I've come to this church, other churches, my whole life. And I forget the need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I forget the need to have Jesus come into my life. I forget the need for me to be centered in on Jesus. 
I forget that I have that need. But once I remember that, once I realign myself to have Jesus as the center of things and Jesus at the center of my life, I can then go and bring justice and do good and bring love and bring a message of care to those around me. There is some difficult pain out there in this world. We just need to open our eyes. We need to stop and we need to look. We need to ask God, what does he want us to do? John 16, verse 8, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong on three counts, sin, justice, and judgment, which is actually righteousness. In most of your versions, it will say righteousness, but righteousness is, is, is righteousness and justice are very synonymous. They're very, they're very able to put those two words together. So we talk about justice in this situation. And what this is saying, prove, it's prove to the world. And what the, the word prove is to expose, to convict, to convince, and to point out, and to bring to light. Awesome. I get to go and expose people to their sin. Fantastic. This is a good. I'm, there's some people here. And must, oh, I'm like so gifted for this. I can go expose people. I can expose their sins. I can tell them all that they're doing wrong. Fantastic. Amen. Or... Oh, it's the Spirit's job. Have you ever read this verse? Be like, awesome. The Spirit can come, and He can go do this. He can go do that. He can go, and He can take all that stuff, which is good. But there's this idea of partnership that we have. We are partnering with God. And so the Spirit moves through us. So there is that idea that we need to come and help people understand their sin, but not the way you might think. Because what is sin? because they don't believe in me. That is sin, is not believing in God. There is a whole bunch of moral laws out there that we can go and we can cross and we can tell everybody, you've done this wrong. We can throw all the stones we've ever wanted to throw, but turns out st stones are boomerangs and they can come and hit you really hard back the other way if you're not careful. But what we can do is, with the work of the Holy Spirit, go and show people a loving message. Bring the light through love. That is what we get to do. We get to bring the light through love. Because what sin is, is a separation between us and God. Us thinking that we are better than anything else, basically. In which ways do we need to walk in forgiveness relationally with God? This is how I would sum up what sin is. We talked about at the beginning where Genesis is, there's an order our relationship with God, if that is fragmented, there is a separation there, we need to be reminded that we need to get right before God, come kneel before him, surrender to him as Lord. Because when Jesus is Lord, he is the center and he carries us and moves us towards what he needs. Relationally with each other, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. Relationally with each other, we need to remember that our relationships and our love to one another is of the utmost importance. That when we are fragmented, when we are fractured, we need to stop and we need to ask God, how can we bring order into this relationship? What do I need to forgive? What do I need to be forgiven for? What have I done wrong? How can I mend a relationship? Is that relationship beyond mending? Maybe I need to forgive them from a distance, but what can I do relationally to, to close that divide?
And then relationally with ourselves. Relationally with ourselves is an interesting one. When I first was kind of looking at this, at this talk, and I, I think about sin, I think about us putting ourselves above God and us putting ourselves above others. But I forgot about myself. And I, I tend to do that a little bit. And we forget that our relationship with ourselves needs to be needs to be submitted to Christ. Because we are our own worst enemies. We can bring the mental battles every day to say, I'm not good enough. I'm not, I'm not enough. I can't compare. I am not good enough to do this. I'm not good enough to do that. Look at that person over there. They can do this. I can't do anything. And we constantly berate ourselves. That comparison is constant in our world. We were talking this weekend. I was at a, a conference, and there was this, um, there was this guy, actually, he, who kind of gave me these ideas, Andy Dyer. He gave me these kind of these four ideas of sin. And he's talking to my wife, and, and, and his wife talks to governments, talks to people high up about justice, about bringing, about bringing justice to the people's lives, and, and, to, and to about bringing right order into this world. And she still struggled with not being enough. She still struggled with the idea that I haven't done enough, I haven't been enough, I haven't been able to do enough. If there's people out there writing books, doing great things, bringing justice, bringing people into God's kingdom, they still don't think they're doing enough, I promise you that some of us here are still thinking that we're not doing enough. That is where we are wrong. If we are submitted to the king and our relationship with him is where we stop and we listen and hear what he has to say, then we can stop and say, look, I am enough because Christ is enough. Our identity is found in him, not in ourselves. Because we will constantly compare ourselves to other people. How many times have you compared, if you're in a relationship, if you're married, how many times have you compared your relationship to somebody else's relationship? Don't tell your husband or wife that right now. Man, they got it so good. They're doing so well. Look at what they can do with their kids. How much are they doing? They're at every single sporting event. They haven't messed up one time. Their kid is doing this. Their kid is doing that. Comparison. We bring ourselves down. It's not fair. And we have to stop. And the relationally with creation. We go back to the garden and we understand that we serve each other, we serve God, we serve ourselves, but we also serve creation. There was something so good about the garden because it just seemed to be lovely. From what all reports, all reports from Genesis 1 tells me that it was a good place to be. And going into the new heavens and the new earth, it's going to be a good place to be. And that's going to be free of the pollution, free of the, of, the, of the issues that we see, free of the death, free of, the, free of just absolutely self-centered building ourselves, the big skyscrapers, and ruining creation to make ourselves better. I don't want to go too far into this, but we need to understand that we serve each other, we serve God, we serve ourselves, but we also serve creation. We need to love creation well. So what we get to remind people of as Christians is not about their sin, but about their relationship to God. 
We get to remind people that the Holy Spirit is in us so we can be centered on Christ. And when we're centered on Christ, our relationship with God, relationship with others, relationship with ourselves, and relationship with this earth will be good. We have Set Free coming up next week. And Set Free gives us such a good place to lay down our anxieties, to lay down our pain, to lay down our care at the feet of Jesus and change things around. In relation to justice, the word I've been saying a lot, in relation to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, you won't see me anymore. That verse makes very little sense, if I'm honest with you. I'm like, what does that mean? Bring justice because I'm going to the Father. What does that mean? That means there's the physical resurrection. Going back to the paradise, the book of paradise, everything in justice is about resurrection. Jesus is now is, is bringing us justice because we will be resurrected with him. Everything will be made right. Everything will be right again. I was, I've been very fortunate to go on different trips in my life. I've probably been on 15, 20 different missions trips. Um, to Africa, to Mexico, within Canada, within other countries in England and, and, and in America. And it's been amazing. But what we do when we go on these trips is sometimes we go to look. We don't go to feel. We go to look to see how everyone else is living. We go to look to see what's going on over there and I can quickly come back. I can look and I can see and I can walk away. When I went to Mexico, the last time I went to Mexico, I went, we went to Tijuana, and I wanted to see, and I wanted to be a part of the hardest places to be a part of. And if you've been on these trips, you know that there is places where people live in the dumps and in the, in the most difficult places. And I tell you, we drove into that, into the dump. There's this massive, massive area of garbage that you just don't want to open the windows. The smell, it'll knock you off your feet. It does. And you see hundreds of people. You actually look down, you look at the, you look at the dump, and you actually see nobody until a truck backs up, if you've been there, and then hundreds of people scatter, and they come running in, and they come looking for anything, any scraps that they can find. And then you look down, about a mile down, there's a pathway, and then there's where people live within these dumps. So we were able to come and we brought all the food and water we could. We wanted to be able to just be a little bit of a blessing. As we walk and we walk through, we came back to one of the little area villages, we'd say. I remember walking around and just talking to some of the kids and you see little four, five, six-year-olds just sitting in this dump and you're like, God, I don't want to look. I want to feel. I don't want to look at injustice. I don't want to cast judgments on injustice. I want to feel what they feel. I want to burn with the burden that they are burdened with. And I walked over this one area. There was this almost, I guess it was a bassinet, covered up. And I look in and there's these little eyes of this baby just sitting there. And it stuck with me. I'm like, how is this able to happen in our world? When the whole purpose of our faith is to bring about justice back to what the garden was. 
And the whole purpose of who Jesus is is to bring about justice, to bring about a right relationship and bring back order. This pain still resides. And here's the problem. Here's the confession. I left there and I'm back here. And for a few weeks that impacted me. A few months it impacted me. But I started to forget about that moment. They're still living there. The injustice and the pain is still there. And we need to remember not just to look at the pain and injustice. We need to feel it. That is why the Holy Spirit lives in us, so I can say, God, what would you like me to do? Some of us will be absolutely overwhelmed and overburdened with every single idea of need that there is, and there is a lot of need. There is need in this room right now. But there's a lot of Christians. There is a body of Christ in this room right now. And the body of Christ, every single person has the Holy Spirit talking to you right now, and he will allow you to understand and to hear what he has called you to do. We are all called to something. We are all called to do something good for his kingdom, to bring the message of love to this world. To see the eyes and to stop. Kelowna has a huge homeless problem right now. And I find myself skipping past it with my eyes. Like, ah, there's someone will take care of it. Yes, someone is taking care of it. Good. But perhaps I need to take care of something. Perhaps it's not with the homeless society. Perhaps it's with it's with counseling. You know, there is a lonely epidemic happening right now. There is loneliness throughout this world. Did you know that more people feel lonely younger than they do older? And we know a lot of older people feel lonely as well. There is loneliness happening in our world. And there is lonely people in your houses, beside you, in your neighborhoods. What we need to do is ask God to help us to feel and understand the injustices in this world. I'm just going to skip some things. We need to allow ourselves to feel the injustices. And then in judgment, in relation to judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. This one's hard. How do we bring about judgment? Is that our role? I would say yes and no. Our role is to remind the rulers of this world when they do things that are immoral. Our role is to remind people when they do something that there is a judgment coming. But that judgment is good. This is a thing. We see judgment and we see it as bad. But judgment is good with a good judge. You know, back in the, when this was written and the times in Jesus' time is beforehand and many times in this world and any times in this world now that there is a group of people that can't see a good and just judge. They just get put into jail for nothing. We get to remind the world through the work of the Holy Spirit that God is a good and just judge and he wants to bring freedom to the captives. He wants to bring love to those who suffer. Martin Luther King said, it's not on there, I'll read it from here, from his, from his letters from the Birmingham jail. How does one determine whether a law is just or unjust? A just law is a man-made code that squares with the moral law 
of the law of God. An unjust law is a code that is out of harmony with the moral law. To put it in the terms of St. Thomas Aquinas, an unjust law is a human law that is not rooted in eternal law, but natural law. Any law that uplifts, uplifts human personality is just. Any law that degrades human personality is unjust. There is a lot of unjust happening in this world. And with the Spirit in us, it is not our job to go violently into somewhere and tell them violently what they're doing, but it is our job to love and to care for and remind the powers that be that there is a loving way to do things. and There's a loving way to experience God. Jesus continually challenged the rulers and authorities of his day in the book of Mark. When he spoke about this mountain to be moved to there, he was talking about the rulers and the authorities to be moved out of the way. We can pray for things to happen. We can pray for justice to reign. We can pray for the love of God to reign in this world. When laws protect certain people and place other people on the outside, that is when we need to pray and say, God, what can we do to lovingly go through this? Romans 12, 20, no, if you are, if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if he is thirsty, give him a drink, and if you do this, you will heap piles of burning coals on his head. How do we remind people of what this world is? How do we remind people of injustice? How do we remind people of the judgment that's coming? How do we remind people the judge of the good judge that's coming? And how do we remind people of sin? We love them. We keep heaping love onto them. We keep on we keep caring for them. We do what we can. We love. We see them. We don't look. We involve ourselves in their lives. There's this idea of the surround, and I'm no expert at it, but the idea is, is that there's a whole bunch, of, whole bunch of people on the outside of a circle with a marginalized person on the inside. What happens on the outside, you have the government agencies, you have the religious tendencies, you have, you have different laws and you have different things that will try to maybe help the people that are vulnerable. And what they do is they throw stuff. What we do is we throw solutions at people in an impersonal way. But what the Spirit is asking us to do is to partner with Him to do what Jesus did, to humble ourselves and to go into the lives of people and to love the lives of people and to love and care for people, to see justice brought out into their lives. Is the enemy going to define you or is love going to define you? Is the way that this world is going to define you how you react to the way of this world? Or is it going to be love that defines how you react to this world? In conflict, do everything in love, ascribing worth to one another. See people as people, not categories. Because we have a humble king. I'm going to finish here. Worship team, if you want to come up. I seem to always go back to Philippians 2. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, 
who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name that every knee should bow. That humble king didn't look from afar and cast judgment from afar. He came and he lived with us. And that's our role as Christians. That is why the Holy Spirit lives within us so that we can go and we can live and we can love people that are hurting. So today, as we reflect, we're going to sing this song, Fresh Wind of Heaven. And that fresh wind of heaven is coming here to reside in us so that we can go out and we can reside with the people in the darkest places. Remind people of the need of a relationship with Jesus. Remind people how good our God is. So dream big. Dream big about what you can do because the Holy Spirit living in you can take you to a place where you see miracles happen. And that place where miracles happen may be a dump in Tijuana. It may be to a reserve in Canada. It may be across the world or it might be to your neighbor's house. But as we allow ourselves to come to Jesus, ask forgiveness, be filled with the Holy Spirit, he then challenges us to move forward and bring justice to this world. Let's stand together.